Uh, opposing counsel, Mr. Hume <clears throat> has not been convicted of an aggravated felony for sexual abuse of a child. Because um, as counterintuitive as it may seem, sexual, expo sexual exploitation of a minor is not a categorical match for sexual abuse of a child. Um, in Iowa, sexual exploitation of a minor can be committed by someone knowingly having a visual depiction and then there is no knowing requirement that they know that the person in that picture is a child, so long as that person is engaged in a sex act or a simulated sex act. So that's the least culpable um, um, sorry, offense that we're looking at when someone has been Let me ask you, though, your knowingly argument with respect to whether this categorically fits, I know that was raised with respect to the... Um, crimes involving moral turpitude. Was it raised and exhausted uh, with respect to whether it categorically fits? Yes, I think that it, it, it was raised on both issues. Um, I mean, Mr. Hewn has always, ever since he was in the immigration courts, said that no, I was, uh, I've not been convicted of an aggravated felony or a CIMT. Here are all my reasons. And I think that looking at that specific argument is like, I think it's exhausted if Mr. Hewn says, no, I wasn't convicted of an aggravated felony. Here's why. It's a categorical approach, not a categorical match. I think you have to match. make specific arguments. I think that that's a little too specific for what the, we're talking for what we're talking about. Mr. Hewn says, no, I wasn't, I wasn't con, um, convicted of, um, of an aggravated felony because uh, the, the kids are minor. Look at Esquivel-Quintana. Um, the the uh, government... Answers back. Oh well, no. This is this isn't like a statutory rape case. Um, look at all these these cases where um, knowing knowing hasn't been a requirement. And Mr. Hume responds back. Well, those are all statutory rape cases where um, so Escobar Quintana should apply because this case um, also has treats minors over the age of 16 as uh, as being children, which Escobar-Quintana should apply because this is a statutory rape uh, case. It is a statutory rape statute. Less culpable than, uh, than a statutory rape statute, honestly. Um, in a statutory rape statute, you usually have someone consenting, someone at the age of 17 consenting uh, to sex acts. This could, In this case, we're looking at someone who could be at the age of 17 consenting person doesn't know that they're 17, still convicted. So I think it's very odd to say that this isn't a statutory rape stat, uh, case when it, like Esquivel-Quintana, when it really matches everything that we're looking for in, in what we would call statutory rape. Right. Um, further, the BIA deserves absolutely zero deference as to their definition of, of sexual abuse of a, of a child. I say definition, they don't have a definition. Um, it is entirely a feelings-based analysis. Well, that is a good question. So I'll ask other counsel, yeah. but what, what is the definition? I would say that, that you know, it needs to be some sort of sex act or an uh, attempt to commit a sex act. Uh, that, I think that would be what we think of as child sexual abuse. I think that matches what the federal statute says. This is clearly a case of, you know, what they want to say is child pornography, what they wish they had brought as child pornography, um, and doesn't really fit this uh, statute. Do we know why they did not uh, attempt to accuse uh, uh, your client of uh, an aggravated felony under the child pornography statute? You know, um, we represented him at that level, so I'm just going to say good lawyering. 
we, we were really good and got them to not do that. Um, I, have, I have no idea. Um, uh, you know, they, they try it. We're also going to deny, deny that one, though. Um, <clears throat> How does Aguilar Sanchez, Judge Grunder's opinion, affect the case? I think the government filed a 28-J saying it supported their argument. Yeah, I think it doesn't affect the case whatsoever. It, they still have all the same problems with the government's arguments. The court uh, doesn't ever say, like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to look at Rodriguez Rodriguez, but this is an entirely different case than um, Agu Aguilar Sanchez. Um, it's really more the same from the government. Um, it's nothing's really changed the analysis. There's no attempt for a sex act, you know, like, a, like seeing a child and being like, oh, okay, well, let's do some child prostitution or something. But there's, counsel, even if there's not an aggravated felony here, why isn't there a crime involving moral turpitude? And again, it's because there is not um, a, that specific mens rea that a crime involving moral turpitude will require. I think we all agree that knowing that you had a picture of a child um, would be a crime involving moral turpitude. This one, it doesn't in include any sort of knowing that that was a child in the depiction that you had, right? The, the, the example I use is there's a, a 68 version of, of the play Romeo and uh, Juliet that was nominated for Best Picture. The actress in that, Olivia Hussey, was below the age of 18 and is in sex scenes with the actor. That, that would be illegal under this this statute. And I don't know that that proves your case. Maybe it was. Um, I think that, that I don't think that's, that's involving moral turpitude. If you didn't know that, I mean, I got shown that in school when I was in middle school. At the, at the very least, though, under the statute, uh, the statute requires that he have possession of nude visual depictions of someone else's children. It, it, it does require that it be someone's child. It doesn't require that someone know that it, it be someone's child, right? Um, and so that's where I don't... So if a crime involving moral turpitude requires some can't, sort of... Can't recklessness fit the mens rea requirement? Um, I think it requires recklessness. I think you have to know that you have a visual depiction, right? Um, but it doesn't require any sorts of mens rea as the age. It doesn't require recklessness. It doesn't require negligence. Um, it that that from the Iowa case law that we've seen, you just have to knowingly have a visual depiction of someone in a simulated sex act, and but nothing, nothing involving um, uh, knowledge, um, either negligently or otherwise, as to the age. Your argument for, to be the generic definition is that there has to be some sort of physical touching. I don't think that there needs to be like even a physical touching. But there has to be some sort of contact between a person, even though they, they message the child or they they try and communicate with the child in order to do something like just something. But in this one, you don't ever have to meet the child. You don't even have to know the child. The child could be fifty years old by the time that you ever come into contact with this. You right? think that's a distinction between this uh, statute and the child pornography statute? I think that that's a pretty and, and yeah. What language do you base it? Um. It's based on the sexual abuse, right? I mean, that's the term that's used in the aggravated felony statute. Um, so, I mean, abuse has to be somewhere, some sort of action or attempt at an action, uh, as opposed to um, a job pornography uh, statute, which, you know, is about having uh, uh, possessing depictions. Uh, unless there are any further questions, I'm going to say Just, just one more. You raised yeah. Chevron deference. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see that in your opening brief. In my opening brief, I said that any catch-all provision um, 
was uh, unconstitutionally vague, you know. Um, so I'm already like dealing with um, the Chevron deference. Then, but then the, the the I mean that's when the government came in and said, oh, well, you really need to have some Chevron deference here. So in the reply brief, we said, no, don't have the Chevron deference. Uh, I'll reserve the rest of my time. Thank you. Morning, Ms. Nahas. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court, my name is Rebecca Nahas, and I'm representing the United States Attorney General. The court should affirm the agency's conclusion that petitioner is removable for sexual abuse of a minor aggravated felony. Petitioner doesn't really challenge matter of Rodriguez-Rodriguez. Instead, he says that the generic definition of sexual abuse of a minor has three requirements that his statute supposedly doesn't uh, satisfy. Um, and I think he's wrong on, on all three counts. And I'm going to start with the requirement that he alleges of actual physical contact or some sort of direct communication between the offender and the victim. A matter of Rodriguez-Rodriguez um, adopted 35098 precisely because it doesn't require that sort of touching or contact. And the, the board reasoned that there was nothing in the Immigration and Nationality Act that indicated that Congress intended to limit sexual abuse of a minor to that sort of conduct. And the um, circuit courts agree, um, five circuits, um, the 4th, the 5th, the 7th, and the 9th, and the 11th, all agree that contact between the offender and the victim is not required to constitute sexual abuse of a minor. And I'll, I'll point out that matter of Rodriguez-Rodriguez and Zavala in the Fifth Circuit were both considering an exposure statute, and the statute didn't require that the, the victim, the minor, actually know that the person was exposing themselves. So that is also support that there isn't this need to have a direct interaction between the offender and the victim. Counsel, I tend to agree with you on that, but I'd like to look under the categorical approach at the uh, the statute of conviction, uh, and, and I apologize for the somewhat graphic nature of these questions, but I think they get to the point here. Uh, under the Iowa statute, uh, wouldn't that encompass uh, a nude visual depiction of a minor showing their breasts or buttocks, but not their pubic area or genitals? Yes, it would, but it would have to be for the purpose of gratifying the offender. But our court has held repeatedly that that does not constitute a lascivious exhibition for purposes of uh, the, the definition that I believe you are using? I believe, Your Honor, it is referring to the obscenity case law? No. The child pornography. Child pornography. Um, I'm, I'm unaware of that, but I, I do think that... But we've held repeatedly that uh, nude visual depictions of children that only show breasts or buttocks are, don't fall under the statute at all. Under the federal statute. Right. So what what are you looking to to say that this is an aggravated felony? Let me just pull up the definition of sexual act in Iowa. It's a nudity of a minor for the purpose of arousing or satisfying the sexual desires of a person. Right. You've already admitted I, to me that it would include images that did not include the genitals. I, th I think that's right. I, I, um, one case comes to mind that I, I, I uh, read through, and it was a father who took a picture of a nude picture of his daughter 
and he was challenging this, this sexual intent part of it, and he was prosecuted. And, and our position is that um, sexual abuse of a minor under the Immigration and Nationality Act doesn't have to mirror the federal uh, child pornography statute, that it's broad enough to encompass um, some of this other type of conduct. And certainly I think that, that um, hypothetical of the father taking a photo with this sexual intent of his daughter is is certainly abusive towards children under the immigration so and nationality. So your brief doesn't seem to really defend the, C, uh, the crime involving moral turpitude conclusion of the BIA. Why not? Well, Your Honor, we, we think that the board needs to take a look at it again because the, the, the generic definitions of sexual abuse of a minor and crime involving moral turpitude are very different analytically. And so crimes involving moral turpitude, the focus is really on the culpability of the offender and, the, and their mental state. And so we think the, court, the board needs to look at whether Iowa, in fact, doesn't require knowledge as to the victim's age. Um, they're sort of... Um, it's sort of unanswered in the state case law, and then also determine whether its generic definition of sexual abuse of a minor would include, if, if it doesn't require that knowledge, um, whether it would be sufficiently culpable. So are you saying that on this record we can't tell whether it was a CIMT? Well, we thought that the board, uh, because the term crime involving moral turpitude is so ambiguous and the board is the expert in defining that term, that it would be more appropriate for the board to determine whether the, the term um, would include that type of conduct. Um, but turning does, that, does that mean the board didn't make a decision on, on CIMT here? Well, the board did decide it, and they said that the um, statute does not require knowledge as to the age of the victim, but it it cited an uh, Eighth Circuit case that affirmed an Iowa Supreme Court case that was actually discussing the production of child pornography provision in Iowa. So it's not exactly settled um, whether Iowa does or doesn't require knowledge as to the age of the victim. So we'd like for them to look at that again and then um, determine whether it would meet the generic definition. Okay, on, on Judge Graz's first point, or at least earlier point, um, as the generic definition, the board uses in uh, 3509, right? Correct. And does 3509 mention lasciviousness at all? Um, I don't think it uses that term, but it does have a quite broad definition of sexually explicit conduct. So sexually explicit conduct means sexual intercourse, sexual contact. Um, this is quite graphic, so let me get to the point. Um, breast, inner thigh, buttocks of any person with an intent to abuse, humiliate, or arouse or gratify sexual persons. So that's under 3509A9A. Um, A. Um, so it does line up in that sense in terms of the body parts. Um, 
But turning um, back to the question of knowledge as to the age of the victim and, and with respect to sexual abuse of a minor, we don't believe that petitioner has exhausted that claim. He raised it below in the context of crime involving moral turpitude, which I mentioned is a very different analytical framework. There's different generic definitions. And so the board wasn't on notice that petitioner was making that claim, and the board didn't address it. So we think it would be inappropriate for the court to address it. Um, and in terms of the, the third requirement, petitioner argues, is included in generic SAM, but that his statute doesn't satisfy the, the age of the victim. We, we think that Esquivel-Quintana is not controlling because the Supreme Court in Esquivel-Quintana was very clear, as this court recognized in Aguilar-Sanchez, that it was simply deciding the definition of minor in the con this very specific and narrow context of statutory rape crimes. And it even said that we're not defining minor for every case, for example, um, offenses that involve a special relationship of trust would uh, justify defining minor as under 18. And we think possession of child pornography is certainly more serious and aggravating than statutory rape. This isn't Romeo and Juliet. Um, Again, we're not under, the accusation is not child pornography, right, in this case? Possession of child pornography. I mean, the statute is labeled sexual exploitation of a minor, but it's possession of child pornography. But for purposes of the aggravated felony allegation, it was my understanding oh. it, was, it was not under the federal pornography statute. Correct. DHS did not charge petitioner under that aggravated felony provision, and I uh, anticipate your question. I'm not sure why. Uh, it, there's, you know, matching up of body parts is required. The, the absurdity of the categorical approach is really highlighted in, with that provision. Um, so I think that's why, you know, the, the agency went with um, aggravated felony, sexual abuse of a minor. Um, and yeah, I'll just um, point out that we, we do think possession of child pornography is much more serious. This is um, possessing images um, that uh, can exist indefinitely and be shared potentially by millions of people, and the harm that that um, inflicts on, on minors is, is certainly severe, and so it justifies setting the age of the minor at 18 rather than 16. Um, and, and I'll just note that if the court does decide to reach whether sexual um, uh, knowledge as to the victim's age is required, that the, this court in Grimes in a sentencing enhancement context and the circuit courts roundly agree that that requirement is not a part of sexual abuse of a minor for aggravated felony purposes because it would um, exclude from the provision a swath of sexual conduct that the states criminalize. So with that, um, we ask that you affirm the agency's decision, finding petitioner removable. Thank you, Your Honors. Thank you. So this, the way this case is like statutory rape is a 17-year-old can consent to being photographed, and then... Um, just like a 17-year-old can consent in a statutory rape case to having sex. Um, and, but then we'll, we'll prosecute that for them anyway. Um, it's not a child pornography case. Uh, DHS just cannot, could not prove up their child uh, pornography allegations. And so they're trying to fit this square peg into this round hole and trying to make 
you all like see it anyway. I mean, if the, they really wrote the statute and they said sexual abuse of a child and then also wrote child pornography, that would be an overlapping statute. And they're trying to have you adopt this Rodriguez Rodriguez definition of what that is, um, even though that's not based on anything other than the feelings of the individual adjudicators at the time about whether this protects children or not. The this attempt to say that the argument that there was no um, knowledge as to the victim's age, one, all the our case law says that there is no requirement as to the victim's age. That's not really in dispute. This goes down to the BIA. It's just wasting your time. You should say it's not a CIMT right now. Um, <clears throat> um, but say that wasn't in front of the BIA, that they weren't on notice about it, is ridiculous, has been part of this record in this argument um, since the very beginning, as when, when Mr. Kuhn denied that he was both, that that was an aggravated felony, and when he denied that it was a CIMT. Um, he's always argued that it was an aggravated felony, and you should consider the fact that he doesn't had to have knowledge under the statute. Uh, he's always brought that argument. Any other view would be a hyper-technical defeat of the entire purpose of uh, exhaustion. Thank you. Thank you. Court appreciates both counsel's appearance and argument today. The case is submitted and will issue an opinion in due course.